the next part of the gauge that we have been talking about is, is what you get from church. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 John. I ain't going to go real long. I got, I got 13 minutes before I need to start thinking about wrapping it up. Okay. Did it, I mean, seriously, I mean, how many of you have, have felt like the Lord's been leading you to change some things in your life? I mean, some of you showed up here today because you feel like the Lord's been leading you to change some things in your life. You're on the right track. Now, how many of you know, though, change is not comfortable? <laughs> Anytime you go through change, it doesn't, it's not fun. Even if you're, okay, even if you're, already in shape and you and you intensify a workout plan it ain't fun if you have to you know you're already there and then you want to get bigger or you want to get stronger and you start adding to it hurts still <laughs> or you ain't doing it right <laughs> you know if you're already you know pretty and you want to go buy more clothes that's not comfortable you gotta you gotta go buy them in order to keep up the appearance right you got you know some of us just can't get any better looking. It's just a, we've maxed out the chart. Okay. But anytime you want to improve or change, it's not fun. It is not fun. And it's a really bewildering place to be. But I said to you, in order, in order for you to be what you're supposed to be, the first thing you have to do is, is you have to build the foundation of the Word. All right? The Word of God is perfect. That's why it has to be the foundation. Because, see, now I know I read a prophecy this morning, and I want you to catch that. But the thing is, is prophecy comes from imperfect people. So sometimes they can miss it. In fact, a lot of times they do. I mean, I've watched people who are anointed, spirit-filled, real legitimate ministers prophesy people in the ministry, and the people <laughs> they're talking to are like, no way on God's green earth am I called to be in ministry. I can't even speak to my children without stuttering, regardless of group of people. No. I know I'm not supposed to be in ministry. I've watched people prophesy other people down the aisle, you're going to marry so-and-so, and it never happens. There are a lot of things that people prophesy that aren't real. And that's why the Word has to be first, because the Word is perfect and infallible. Now, other people argue with you and say, well, it condones slavery, and it condones killing babies, and it condones murder, and it condones... How can that be infallible? Well, it's because you're putting the focus on the wrong thing. God's words are perfect. People aren't. <laughs> and we're the ones that make the word look imperfect. But it's because we're stupid. <laughs> I just call it what it is. We are. Okay. Uh, you know, mankind is the one that, that is flawed. God didn't institute slavery. Man did. It wasn't like God appeared to Moses one day and said, write this down in the law. Um, go ahead and own people to work for you. It doesn't say that anywhere. Now, he gave instructions on for what slaves are to do. But what was he? He was inside the situation making their life better. Come on, somebody better catch that. See, God's words are perfect far-reaching okay there are it's infallible and that's why we have to build on it first then the second thing i talked about was spending time with god in prayer and spending time with god in the spirit god's a spirit you can't comprehend his direction with the natural mind completely it has to be discovered spiritually 
And I said to you last week, this is how you really discover the deep things of God. The deep things of God all have to do with you. They don't have to do with the cosmos and, you know, everything that's in here that people go, oh, this is real deep stuff from here. Yeah, it's deep stuff from the Word, but it ain't in God's mind anymore because it's in the Word. If he spoke it, it's not deep there anymore. He's not thinking about it anymore. It's already there. Now he's thinking about you. And that's why your personal walk is so important, spending time with him in spirit. But now, let's talk about this, because we're talking about the church today. You need to go to church. In order to, can we throw that, can we throw that, uh, that fuel gauge up there? In order to get to the next part of your life, in the, in the three-quarter mark, the three-quarter mark will come from you going to church, being part of a church. Now, this is going to be a two-parter. I wasn't planning on getting too much into this, but I'm going to. All right. Now, when you think about going to church, there are usually two versions of going to church. There's usually the Catholic and the Pope's version, which he just came out and said just a few weeks ago. Anybody who thinks that they can have a personal relationship with Christ outside of the church is on dangerous ground. That's wrong thinking. <laughs> this is an extreme dependence on the church, but we, which we are not supposed to have. That is not what belonging to a church is. Okay, God lives in us. He doesn't live in a temple anymore. Okay, so I can have full access to God without anyone else talking to him for me. Do you know why that is? Because Jesus did all the talking for you already. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Well, guess what? Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we have sinned, and we all have, guess what? Jesus went and spoke to the Father for us. I don't need somebody else to go talk to him for me. I don't need to go to confession and tell somebody else my sins. I can confess them straight to him. And this has kind of been considered heresy in some circles. When the Word of Faith message first got popular, they called it heresy because we started, they started preaching, you don't need to go to church and have somebody else lay hands on you in order to be healed. You can believe God and be healed yourself. And people are like, oh, you're going to take people out of our meetings. And they got mad. But this is an extreme version of the church. You're totally dependent on the church. If you feel like the only way you're going to pray through is if somebody else prays you through from the church, that is a wrong point of view. That's an extreme point of view that's based in the old Catholic roots that you have to have somebody else talk to God for you. Jesus already did all your talking for you. You have your own relationship. Okay. The other view of going to church is I can just pray and read my Bible and go my own way. I don't need any man to teach me. And they get that out of 1 John 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. And for as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as, the, uh, as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, counterfeit just as it has uh, taught you, remain in him. And that's the way some people feel like. We call them cruzomatics. Anybody else? You ever heard that term before? Church hoppers. They just kind of, oh, I just want to fellowship with the whole body. And they just kind of go everywhere. Oh, I'm just going to tell you, that's wrong thinking too. Paul told Timothy, now this is Paul talking. Okay, the guy wrote most of the New Testament. What did he say? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So there has to be some, some stimulus to following somebody else. There is something to following somebody else. 
Sure, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you don't need me to pray for you to get every result. But there is something about following behind something else. Jesus even understood this. Jesus, before he started his earthly ministry, went and had John the Baptist baptize him. Now, remember what John said there? John said this. He said, I'm not worthy that I should even fix your sandals, latch your sandals. And Jesus said, baptize me anyway. Jesus understood how all of this whole thing works. And you know, when you come to church, that's what's happening. You're putting yourself in line with somebody else and the blessings that's flowing on them are flowing on you. Well, why is that important? I I can have blessings on my own life. Sure, sure you can. Absolutely you should. Listen, men, you should be having those blessings come from the top of you through the rest of your house. It should be happening. And you should be teaching your kids that they should be getting their own blessings. All right? But they follow you. You follow Christ. There is something to this. Matthew chapter 18 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There is a side of God that we are never going to experience until we have regular fellowship with the rest of his body. There's part of the body of, there's part of, part of, the body of Christ that will expose you to, to, to him that you'll never, ever, ever experience until you do. Until you are a part of a church, there's going to be part of the body you won't experience. Now, yesterday we had a great men's breakfast. We had, we had a dozen guys there. It was great. It was wonderful. Okay? We were at the healthiest restaurant in town. We were at Golden Corral. <laughs> and I had our health expert from the church here come and speak to us. Casey did a great job speaking yesterday. But it was the first time a lot of our guys have been exposed to KC. Okay? That was a whole side of the body of Christ that our guys had never experienced before. Now, they've been coming to church here for a while. You know, I think I can do pretty good. I can throw it down just as good as anybody. I mean, I feel like I can anyway. I should have got a better amen than that, but that's okay. Um, Okay? But there's part of, there are things that KC's going to say that I'll never say or I'll probably never, I I mean, I'm just not there. But there are things that I say that he's not. You you see what I'm saying? There is part, and and that's the way it is with the rest of you. People sitting in the pews next to you right now have a part of the body of Christ inside of them that you're never going to experience unless you're coming to church. And that's part of God that you will never experience. And that's a sad place to be. Hebrews chapter 10 says it plain and simple. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Appro- approaching, excuse me. Uh, he says, "Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together." Now, most people agree with this, but you know, I don't know. I just thought about joining a real congregation, being all tied down. They float from church to church, you know. Um, although, I, and listen, technically, there's not anything wrong with that. But I will say this: that's very short-sighted. If you don't want to belong to a church, that's very short-sighted. I want you to look at what happened here in Acts chapter 4. Go ahead and flip over there. We'll take some time on this one. Acts chapter 4, verse number 23. Now, Peter uh, um, and John had been locked up in jail and put in prison, and 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 then they got beat and told not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Okay, don't preach anymore. Now look here in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back, and notice these next words, 
to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, let's think about that for a second. What was their own people? Now, we all might say, well, if people are Christians, they're our own people. Well, that's true in the grand scheme of things. Just like my hand is part of my body and so is my foot. But my hand usually doesn't have a lot of fellowship with my foot unless my foot's itching. How many of you would be honest, you don't really even like to scratch your foot with your own hand? You, know? you want to get something and oh, I can lurk in between the toes. Oh, it feels so good. Huh. All right. But usually they don't have a lot of fellowship together, but they're part of the same body. Why? They serve a different purpose, and they serve a different function, and they serve a different call. Listen, the, the thing about being part of your own company is people that believe like you, come on, say the same things as you, are on the same page vision-wise as you. That's what being part of a local body is. And they went to their own people, which at this point was not the grand body of Christ. It was the church at Jerusalem. That's where they went. Now, when they went out, notice they didn't go out and just start gatherings. There's nothing wrong with gatherings. I like gatherings. Go to gatherings. They didn't just go out and, and, and just float around and be like, hey, let's just meet over here for a while, and then you guys get going, and then if you feel like it, go start another one over here. And then, no, they went and they, they built and established churches. And if you know anything about it at all, they went and they started church, and sometimes they didn't have a pastor. The apostles had to stay on until they could raise a pastor up. Why would they go through the trouble to go and start a church if being part of a church wasn't what the, the grand scheme of, of God's plan was? I personally believe that being a cruisomatic church hopper and not belonging to a, a local body is selling yourself short of people that are going to believe like you, say the same things of you, be the support system for you in place. Okay? You miss a lot of life-changing relationships when you don't belong to a local church. And those relationships strengthen you in two ways. What they can do for you and what you can do for them, naturally and spiritually. You know, during your dark times... The church family should be able to do something for you. I know when we, um, when we both, uh, we, we, we adopted uh, both our boys, people from Rama brought us food at the house, and we're like, we're staff members, we're good, we're fine, you don't have to, and they're like, oh, no, we wanted to. We know you're just crazy right now, just crazy busy. People brought us food. You know, I know that we've done that before. Anybody else has gone through a funeral and been part of a church or something, and somebody brings food to your house? Anybody ever had that happen? I mean, you usually have so much fried chicken, you don't know what to do with it. Because everybody just, that's quick and easy. Or pasta. My Lord, we got buckets of pasta when our kids were born. Okay, so there's that natural help, but then there's also the spiritual help because you can minister to people on a spiritual level that people don't ever going to experience without you. You know, you've got a gift on the inside of you. I said this Wednesday night, and I'm gonna, I am going to get a sledgehammer and a wedge and drive this into everybody. You have a spiritual gift inside of you. Every person in here does. You have the same Holy Spirit that I do living on the inside of you. And people need to experience that gift that he's empowering on the inside of you. And the only way that that's going to happen and the way that it's supposed to happen is when you go to church. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen in church, but it's because you're part of this church or a church. 
People are never, and, and some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, I don't really have a whole lot to offer. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have been given a purpose and a reason and a gift, and God doesn't just waste that stuff. He puts that in you for a reason because he wants you to be able to give that to somebody else. It isn't just giving it to people out there. Those people out there obviously need it. But you know what? There are people sitting in these pews next to you, into these green seats sitting next to you that need what you have on the inside of you. And when you're part of the local church, they can, listen, it's a lot easier to minister to somebody that trusts you. I'll be honest with you. I've gone to meetings sometimes and have people, you know, start preaching. I don't know them from Adam, and the whole time I'm skeptical listening to them going, I'm going to have to go check that out. Then there are other times I've been in my own camp, been in, you know, people that I have a relationship with, listening to them preach, and I know I can receive it. I know that's for me. I know because the same, you know, it's agreement. It, there's a, there's a, 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 a kindred spirit going on here. And that's what being part of the church does. Now, one of the things that happens when you're here is that you hear the word preached. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? The word gets preached and your faith gets built when you come to church. You know, sometimes you'll be reading the Bible Anybody ever, you know, and sometimes you read it, and it, you need to read it whether you feel like something jumped off the page at you or not. You need to keep reading it. Why? Because your spirit man's picking that up. Your spirit man is absorbing. You're a big sponge, remember? So you keep reading it, and even if nothing jumped off the page and you didn't have one of those mind-blowing experiences, whoa, it's still getting in there, and it's still changing you. But when you come to church, you're not just dependent on your own understanding of it. Now you're starting to you, you get dependent on what somebody else can say to you. And when somebody preaches under the anointing, it'll spur faith in you, even in areas you don't think their preaching has anything to do with. I went to a youth conference one time as a youth pastor, 22 years doing it. I was, you know, a long-termer, but I was at a Nashville, Tennessee, at a national youth pastor's convention, and the guy was speaking, and he was talking about... Now, at this time, Jody and I weren't married. I didn't even know Jody then. All right. Um, and I'm sitting there listening to him talk about... Now, this was the topic, okay? How to um, engage members of the opposite sex um, in your youth ministry without, you know, getting in trouble, Okay. Basically, it was for single guys who had a bunch of girls in their youth groups. <laughs> I mean, there was not one girl in there. It was all guys, and they all were single, and they were all like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with girls. <laughs> I mean, it was just basically a bunch of dumb jocks. It was basically all we were. Okay? And we're all sitting in there, and it's, it, you can tell everybody's really interested on how, how do you do things that are going to appease girls if you're just a sweaty old guy. And I'll be honest with you, at that point in our, in our youth ministry at the church I was at in Kentucky, everything we did, I mean, we were guy heavy. We probably had 50 kids and 46 of them were guys. Yeah. It was almost a men's group, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just like that. And so we're all trying to figure, because I'm, I'm just, I mean, you know, I'm not going to put sunflowers on the walls, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to paint pink stuff. I just, and in that point in time, I was never going to even think about doing that. And Lord forbid, I have an example in my message that is not sports related, or monster truck related, or hip hop music related, or something like that. All of my messages were so guy heavy. Why? Because I'm a guy. 
And so, so I'm sitting there listening to this guy talk about, all right, guys, you're going to have to understand, you know, the girls. You're going to have to start talking about things that they, you know, need. And it's like, well, uh, that's awkward. <laughs> I mean, that's just weird. I don't know how to approach a girl who's on her, you know, menstrual. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to walk up and be like, hey, how are you? Weird. Okay. I don't know what, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. Okay. This is the kind of stuff he's talking about. All right, I'm painting a good picture here. Right, this is the kind of stuff he's talking about. And we're all just like, and I'm not kidding you. I'm taking notes on something. The Holy Spirit's completely blowing my mind on something else. I was writing down what the guy was saying, but the Lord was dropping revelation on me about something that had nothing to do with opposite sex youth ministry. I wrote four sermons while for, sitting in that class. Not because I was bored, because I was writing down what he was saying. His big nuggets of stuff, I was writing them down, circling them, putting arrows next to it. But then what happened? I got under the anointing in his class from his teaching and preaching. And this is what happens when you come to church. You get under the anointing. And they go, well, that doesn't really apply to me. If you'll be quiet and listen to the anointing, it will. If you'll listen, I may never say anything about your you know, behind at the bank payments and how to believe God for extra finances. But somewhere under the anointing of the preaching, you'll get the answer to that. The Lord will give you faith for that because you hear the, the word preached. Okay? It preaches, the local church preaches the world, preaches the word to the world that you live in. Okay? Sometimes the, the very word the pastor is preaching uh, may not be the word you want to hear either. Now, sometimes we, we hear pe- pastors preach, and it's offensive. Well, you really got on my toes today. And, you know, and you, or you, you, man, you're really feeling it today. You had a sledgehammer on my toes. And that's, that happens, okay? But I'm not even talking about that. Sometimes we find the messages boring, or I already know that, or I wish he'd preach something fresh. And the thing is, is messages preached that are spirit-led and word-based will always produce fruit and faith in your life if you'll just buckle down and listen. The messages that only speak to where you are or where you're on fire at are not necessarily going to cause growth in your life. You know, if you only hear messages that you just go, Whoa, yes, that is where I'm at today. I'm going to take a lap. If that's all you ever hear, guess what? You're going to be lopsided. There are a lot of things that the Lord speaks to you through a message at church that he's trying to get your attention and go, Hey, I know you're on fire about that, but you need to think about this. We want to all hear messages that we can agree with and bear witness with our spirits and go, yeah. Sometimes when you preach on finances, people say, well, I wish you'd talk more about the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes when you talk about the Holy Spirit, some people say, well, it's a little too charismatic and a little too out there for me, so I wish you'd just preach about me being the best me that I could be. I actually had somebody say that to me. That Holy Spirit business is scaring me. Can you just preach how I can be a good Christian? 
I'm like, hello. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Anyway, um, sometimes you preach on healing and people say, well, you know, I really had some questions about fasting, which nobody in here has ever asked me. So um, all of these things that we just would rather hear always usually are tied to a passion in our life. But how can you ever learn or grow if you only listen to the preaching that you get excited about? Sometimes the word will get preached that's right on. And it will build faith for the struggle that you're in. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to wrap it up. Verse number 1, this will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know, when you hear a word that does encourage you, and you give that amen, you know you and the pastor just established that thing? Catch that, because y'all should amen more often. <laughs> when, you, when, 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 I mean, seriously, uh, I mean, if, if I'm preaching and I say something that does apply to you and your faith reaches out there and grab it, you ought to say amen. You know why? You're establishing it by your testimony and what I'm saying. You're making it so. You're making it come into existence. You're making it happen. When you hear that encouraging word, let out a big amen because I may be right, right walking down the street of your neighborhood saying the exact same thing that you're going through, preaching about something that you're already on fire about and we can get an agreement with and see increase in. Now I'm going to shut it down right here. Because next week I'm going to talk about what else the coming to church does. And we're going to talk about the corporate anointing. You don't want to miss this one. Well, what's the corporate anointing? That's kind of a big churchy word there. That's why you want to come back. <laughs> That's why you want to come back. Because the corporate anointing shouldn't just be being poured out in special meetings. The corporate anointing should be poured out in church every time you get together. Amen? But listen, if you are in your own walk with God, now I know we've, we've kind of come a long way we start, since we started reading about, talking about the prophecy. But listen, if you're in your own walk, made changes recently in your walk with God, and, you, and you've been following through on the things that God's called you to do, you're in a season right now of refreshment and increase and enlargement. And just because you've, you've had this heaviness laid on you the last few weeks or few months, listen, it's, it's been lifted. Don't bail now. Don't jump ship now. Don't phone it in now. This is all the more time to jump up and rejoice. Come on, this is all the more reason now to lift your hands and say hallelujah. This is all the more reason to get plugged in and do something. This is all the more reason. Why? Because we're in a place where the anointing is flowing. The blessings are being poured out. This is the time. And this is where it happens. Your life. Heads bowed, eyes closed.